So if you'd like to join me in uh, Matthew chapter 6 again, uh, we're going to read uh, verses 9 through 10. Two whole verses. It'll be short, right? We'll get on with the rest of our day. It'll all be good, maybe. Mark 6, 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we come before you this morning asking you to fill us. Fill us with your words. Let us hear them. Let us know them. Let us devour them. And let us keep them in our hearts forever. Thank you in your name. Amen. Lord's Prayer is one of those things that's very uh, common. Everybody knows it. Even people that don't often go to church, many of them know it. Uh, my father, who was definitely not a churchgoer, um, he knew it. He had even announced to me one time in one of our mm, not-so-friendly conversations um, that, um, that he had read the entire Bible. And I was a new enough believer at that point that he had one over me. I hadn't yet read the entire Bible. But he had. Uh, sadly, it, it, um, it didn't do the work that God had intended for it. But as I have devoured these two verses this week, um, God has given again. And um, so I will share that with you in hopes that he will give to you. Last week, we closed with Revelation 3.20. I'll read it again. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You see, prayer is about God coming to us. We often talk about going to the throne of grace and things like that, but there are times that I don't even have the strength to go there. And as we see, these, these are, these, uh, the, the, the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, actually has seven prayers contained in it. And you notice that right away, he says, pray like this. He doesn't say pray these words. He said, pray like this. You see, Jesus has set the table for us, not what to pray, but how to pray. And one of the things we talked about last week, that prayer is about relationship. It's not about going through a ritual. When I was a kid, my mother, who was at the time not a believer, taught me to pray, now I lay me down to sleep. And how many of you actually know that, right? And I said that over and over and over again from the, my earliest memories. Uh, I remember where we were living and no more other than that beginning something. And on into my teenage years, my mother would come to my door uh, at, in the evening after I had gone to bed and say and ask, have you said your prayers? Pretty remarkable thing for an unsaved person. 
to be so committed to that. So obviously she wasn't an atheist, and obviously she understood somehow there was a great desirable need for prayer. And she taught me. But the problem was that it really became a ritual to me. There was a period of time in grade school when I would try to see, how fast did I say this? Not really understand. It's like, okay, done. And, um, and then there was, were times when I would forget. You know, I'd be somewhere else, or maybe my mom would forget. And then there came a time when she was, uh, I think I had probably already gone to college, and she thought, well, if he doesn't have it now, he won't. And so she just kind of left it alone. The strange thing is, by then, I had already become a believer, and I, I was praying in, in much different ways. But, God, but Jesus is laying out this table, a table set for relationships. A table where we can come and feast with him inside of us. Feast on the meat of his word. Feast on the life-giving breath of his gospel. Just think. Gospel. It is the most wonderful force in all the universe. Because it took me, a sinner... And saved me. And he declared me not guilty. Pronounced, not guilty. But I was guilty. He punished his son instead. And he wants us. This is command language, by the way. It says, pray then like this. It's an imperative. It's a must-do. Sometimes we translate these things into commands, what we think of as a command, thou shalt pray like this. But I gather that from Jesus' standpoint, since they were praying already, as most people do, he's saying, keep on praying like this. So there was an adjustment going on for the people that were hearing. They lived in a culture where there was prayer every day. Mostly like lay me down to sleep. Same thing again and again and again. They had a lot of different ones, but that's what they did. That was what prayer was. So Jesus was saying, keep on praying, but do it like this, and there's a must-do in there. He noticed that he didn't say pray this particular prayer. He didn't say, pray these words. He said, pray like this. And I think in my own mind that he gives us a starting point. Our Father. You know, we cannot claim God as our Father unless we believe in Jesus, his Son. That's how it works. And I know that there are other people who say our Father and all those things, and they may actually think so, but if they're not believing in Jesus, he's not really their Father. This is the starting point. It is a proclamation of who God is. God is the one who created us. God is the one who ordained his Son, Jesus, to be our Savior, to come and to be sacrificed in our place so that we could live on and on 
in his kingdom. God is our Father. Pray like this. Now we get to the first little prayer of the seven that are contained within the big prayer. Hallowed be your name. I I have to admit that I learned this in the King James English, and every time I say it, um, I say it in the King James English because I can't seem to transition my memory into something else. In, uh, In Faith Foundations class, we allow the young people to pick a version. Just pick it and learn it and love it. It's a wonderful thing. Hallowed, it means holy. And it means another word that we would use for that is sanctify. And it's another imperative. It's a must do. Our Father, your name must be sanctified. It must be holy. Well, why are we praying that? It is holy. He is holy. We know that. But we are so prone to forget, aren't we? Think of the many ways that we invoke the name of God that really aren't holy at all. Do it? I know you do. If you're not saying it, you might probably be thinking it. And that is one of those things that though I have been walking with Jesus for 50 years, it still sneaks up on me from time to time. And this is why we pray. Let your name be holy. Only holy. All those other uses that we have, you know, and we have little OMG things for text messaging, and we know what that means. That's not a holiness. It's an exclamation point. And it's usually used as an exclamation point for something else that has happened, someone else maybe. And we do it. And if you're telling me you're not doing it, okay. I'm telling you I do. Hopefully not as often as I once did. His name must be holy, and it must be holy among us in our own lives. His name must be holy. And we need to always be praying, let your name be holy in me. Let me get rid of all of those other uses of your name. I I used to work for a man who was uh, more sanctified than I am, and it's a long time ago, and he was a basketball player and you know, had a group of people that he played basketball with on a regular basis, and they all knew he was a pastor, and um, I guess they didn't start out knowing, but the friend that had invited them to play, he kind of filled that out. And so he'd keep getting all of these uh, little comments during the game. Oh, sorry, Warren. Oh, sorry, Warren. Sorry. Sorry, I said that. And usually it was something vulgar that they were saying. And then once in a while, you know, the name of the Lord would come out in an inappropriate way. And finally, after he'd gotten an awful lot of um, sorry warns, he told them, look, you're not saying anything I haven't heard before. And I don't think you've said anything that I haven't said before. But the one that really grips me 
is when you use the Lord's name in vain. When you use the name of the Lord in an unholy way. And you know what? That opened the door for Jesus in that group of basketball players. Did anybody get saved? I don't know. He didn't know either. But it opened conversations with all of them. Because Warren was saying, I'm just a regular guy. I'd have a different day job. But that one bothers me. It comes right to his own heart. Not because he's hearing it for the first time, but because it hurts him when he says it that way. We can't make God's name any more holy than it is. What we're doing when we pray, hallowed be your name, let it be holy in me and let it be holy through me. When I'm talking to the people that I know, work with, go to school with, whatever, neighbors, let your name be holy in me and through me to everyone else. That doesn't mean that I have to criticize them. Warren, he just wanted to get rid of the sorry Warren thing going on. But it ended up being an avenue for the gospel. Build relationships with those people. If they hear that you're different, it'll happen. Lord, your name is holy. It is objective. Fill me with that. And through the revelation of Jesus, make your name holy in this world. It's a tall order, isn't it? Your kingdom come. That's one that uh, is always interesting to study. For the longest time, well, first of all, I learned the Lord's Prayer when I didn't know Jesus, and so it was just like, now I lay me down to sleep. You just pray it. It's just what you do, okay? And then all of a sudden I get saved, and I'm, I'm learning things, and now I'm reading this with new eyes, a new heart. And I thought immediately, oh, that's praying that God will end the world today and bring his kingdom onto the earth and everything will be wonderful. All the sinners will be judged and sent to hell and all of the rest of us will be living in heaven for the rest of our days. It is not what God is saying. We can certainly think of it in those terms, but we need to think of it in the context of what he's talking about. This is talking to God. If I ask him to bring his millennial kingdom on real fast, do you think I'm going to change anything? If we as a church just prayed that all the time, you know, thy kingdom come, set up your millennial kingdom, get rid of all the pain and suffering, do you think that's going to change anything? God has a plan. And his plan for us involves time. I have no clue how long a time it is. So when we're praying this, we're talking about bringing his kingdom into the lives of other people. His kingdom came into me when I believed in Jesus. There's this little piece of God's kingdom buried inside. It's the same for you. When you, when you believed in Jesus, God planted his kingdom in your heart. And you know it. You know something happened. Something happened and initially, 
I, I knew something had happened. I had no idea what it was. And it takes a long time sometimes to kind of get what's going on in there. God's goal is not just about us. His plan is about everybody. Your kingdom come into my relatives that don't believe yet, into my coworkers, my friends at school, the people in the neighborhood. That's thy kingdom come. Pray for them. Pray that God will put his kingdom into their lives. Pray that you can be a part of it. That's what kingdom come means. It means planting himself into the lives of those that don't know him yet. This is what kingdom come is. I hope we're getting an idea here that prayer and the Lord's prayer isn't necessarily what we really thought. Now, I have uh, at least one confirmation student in here that has graduated some time ago, and he probably remembers this conversation. I'm not going to pick on him. I'm not even going to look at him just to make sure that he doesn't feel like he's picked on. This is so hard for us. And it's hard because we... We are so self-centered. My life really is all about me. I just want it to be about me. And it's not that I don't care about you, I just care a whole lot less. Right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. I want my life to be about me, and then God confronts me. He talked to me a while back about doing a series on prayer, which I then resisted until now. And he has spoken to me so much again that it isn't about me. It's about him, first and foremost, hallowed be thy name, and it's about everybody else, thy kingdom come. It's just hard. It's really hard. And it takes time. Elena's not here. She's off having fun on a little cruise. And, uh, but you know, most of you know, that she produces this paper that has uh, most of the people who are here, people who are here regularly. She writes down the family name, and she spreads them out over all the days of the week. And she gives that to us so that we can have a guide to pray for each other. What a great idea. Not just praying about me and my little worries or my big worries. I share them with others. But what if they came last? And hallowed be thy name came first. And praying for my neighbors and co-workers and others that don't know Jesus. And that came next. You know, I told you before, every time I redo a text, something happens. God speaks. And this time I, I find myself asking the question, is there an order to this? Has Jesus set the table and it's like a seven-course meal of relationship and fellowship with God that we eat in order? I don't know. But it's just a new thought that I've had over the last week. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think that um, God's will is being done? You don't have to answer out loud. You can nod your head or shake your head or whatever. I don't see any heads moving. What's going on out there? So often we spend all of our time in prayer talking about our needs, talking about the needs of others, talking about health, things like that. And um, we somehow forget sometimes that God has a plan for just about everything. And he has a definite plan for everyone. At one time, I thought becoming a Christian was my choice. Now, and then I did a study on the word choice in, in, in God's word in the New Testament and realized not one time does God talk about choice in connection with me choosing Christ. To follow after I believe? Yes. To live in him, to follow his ways after I believe? Yes. But the initial point, it always says that God chose us. Now, for those who aren't believing, I don't know. It is another one of those mysteries to me, and I'm sorry that I'm not enough of a pastor to tell you I know what that's about. I don't. I just know that God chose me. He has a plan. He has a plan for everybody else. He has a plan for whatever illness and struggle and trouble that I'm having, and sometimes those things are not going to work out in my favor. There are times when I become so desperate because of my circumstances and the things that are going on, the pain, the disappointment, the separation, all of those different things. Sometimes I become so desperate that I forget all about the fact that God really does love me. In fact, he already knows what I'm going to pray before I pray. Prayer is about relationship with Him. It's about trust. Remember Jesus in the garden? I'm going to read it to you. Then Jesus, this was after the Lord's Supper, fitting, right? Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and He said to His disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with Him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled, and then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful. Anybody been there? This is one of those understatements in the Word of God. I don't know how it could have been said more powerfully, but you know he was really sorrowful. Even to the, even to the point of death, remain here and watch with me. That whole watch with me, that's about relationship Support me. Pray with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, 
but as you will. Do we trust him? Then every one of those prayers that we pray, where it's because of agony or loss or trouble or strife or fear or whatever, every time, do we do what Jesus says? Let not my will, but yours. It totally changes the relationship with God when we are desperate in our need and then end our prayer with your will and not mine. That is hard to do. It's a serious struggle for me. It really is. I was recently thinking about a friend of mine, and um, he doesn't live nearby, and I, haven't, I don't talk to him all that often, and, uh, but I do remember him from, from years past, and he really didn't like talking to his mother. Now, this is a grown man, all right? It's, you know, it's not like some kid that just got bawled out by mom. We're talking about a grown man. And didn't live near mom, and he always waited for her to call, and he didn't call her, and her calls weren't really all that often. So then he asked, would ask his wife to, uh, here, it's my mom. And, and then his wife would fill him in, uh, fill her in on all of the things that were going on, what the kids were doing, what, were going, what, uh, what was happening in school, all those kind of things. And it was always covered with everything is great, right? I mean, do you tell mom or grandma things are bad? Uh, might not be bad to tell them that. And then at the end, at the phone call, she would hand the phone to him again, and then he would have a brief chat with his mom, and uh, said hi and all those kind of things. Why? Why? Why would he reject his mother like this? Well, you know, he was a busy guy. A lot of things on his mind, a lot of things that needed to get to done. And she never really calls at the right time, right? You know how it is with Grandma. She calls up and everybody's going in all different directions. This is not a good time, Mom, which really wasn't true. And the fact is, she didn't ask much. It wasn't like a burden, like you need to fly down here and see me. Do these things for me. She was pretty self-sufficient. No demands of his time or his effort. It was because he was busy. He didn't want to take the time because he was busy. Now, why do you suppose God planted that in my brain this week? Any guesses? <laughs> what? Busy? But then I realized, this is me with God. Why don't I pray more? Why don't I go through these things in a serious way and not just repetitive way? It's because I'm busy. I've got things on my mind, stuff I want to get done. Some of the things I want to get done are productive. Some, maybe not. But I'm still busy. I am too busy to pray the kind of prayer that Jesus is talking about here. 
Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come in that person and that other person and my relatives and all, all of these things, one by one by one. Thy kingdom come into the lives of those people who already know you, but they're struggling with something. I'm too busy to pray. So, yes, convic convicted there in a very big way. Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is, is still knocking. We talked about that last week. I stand at the door and knock. He is still knocking. And he is inviting me to share some meals with him. Some meals of intimate relationship. Some meals of gospel and love and time. I think one of our biggest struggles in our marriage, more in years past than now, is just time. And then there was the problem of me not having the right priorities with time. And you know, um, God blessed us anyway, but he wants us to take the time to let him in, to sit down with him, and to share a gospel meal together. Perhaps he is inviting you to do the same thing. Father, we need to be changed. We need to get over ourselves. And we need to remember that this is not something to make us feel guilty. It's just you knocking at our hearts and come and enjoy the table that I have already set for you. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In your name, amen. Let's stand together.
Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then can could stand against? Stand against. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, strong in power, our God, our God, our God is greater, awesome and greater, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God, our God. And if our God is with us, and God could stand against, and if our God is for us, who would ever stop us? And if our God is with us, and what could stand against? Who can stand again? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Come and let your glory, come and let your glory fall. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, the rocks cry out your fame. Come and let your glory, come and let your glory fall. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song to the Lord. Let your kingdom come and it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every heart proclaim the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven. God, give us new every morning. Mercy is healing bread. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us with your hand. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song to the Lord. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, every heart proclaim the mercy of your name. On earth as it is in heaven, for the kingdom is yours and the power is yours and the glory forever. Amen. For the kingdom is yours and the power is yours and the glory forever. Amen. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, on earth as it is. <coughs> Every heart proclaim the mercy of your name, on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Every heart proclaim the mercy of your name. On earth as it is in heaven. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Oh, okay. On uh, okay. Well, that's cool. Pastor 